And I believe he's able to connect us together. So uh, we've been talking about for some time uh, the, the disciplines that are needed in our Christian walk, the things that really strengthen us and, and help us to grow in our faith. You know, not to grow to be also rans, but to be champions. God has purpose for all of us to live a life of faith as victors, champions, not also rans. Right? How many here are not just running? You're running to, to win, right? You're not, you're not just taking up a place in the, in the lineup. But, you know, and so we've talked about the disciplines that Paul spoke of in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 24 through 27 and some prior to, and, and they're following. And we've moved into different aspects of training here and getting uh, strong in our faith and becoming all that God has purpose for us to be. And uh, today we're going to conclude what we we began last week uh, on the discipline of speaking God's word. It's one of those vital exercises for a Christian. You know, a lot of people may may not see the value in this quite the same as those who are walking with Christ. Therefore, if you're walking with the Lord and you're growing in your faith, you realize how important the Word of God really is to every part of your life. It's the foundation. It's your sword for battle. It's your bread from heaven. It's everything that God knows that we need that he provides through his Word. Isaiah 55 verse 11 was our primary reference point last week. And God says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing uh, for which I sent it. How many believe that today? You'll give that an amen. When God says that, my, he says, so shall my word. He's telling his people. He wants to prosper them and he wants to bless them. And he assures them that what he speaks, he's good to do. Uh, his word is faithful. And God's word goes forth. He says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. So you, you can understand why it's so important for us to declare the word of God, to profess the word of God, to speak the word of God, to meditate upon the word of God, because the word of God is that inspired, infallible, inerrant rule of faith and conduct. It's the substance that we need. And, and he says, it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. How many of you want God's word to prosper in your life? You want God's word to prosper in your life. You know, how will that happen if we don't know the word of God? How will that happen if we don't speak the word of God, if we don't declare the word of God, if we don't pray the word of God? You know, I was uh, preparing some things this morning, and I receive things that are off script. And uh, as I was sitting in in, uh, my time and uh, I'm not antisocial before church. I just feel like I need to have uh, those quiet moments with Jesus. It's okay, right? It's not because I don't like you. I don't love you. I'm not interested in you. It's just that I'm more interested in hearing what God has for me to share with you. And uh, to me, those moments are precious. So, hey, did you got, hey, can you give me my mouse? Is it laying over there? Is it dead? Uh, did I bring it up here? I have it, Rob. I had a mouse in my pocket, and uh, but this morning, I, as I was sitting there, and, and I can't tell you why, I cannot tell you why God released this into my heart. It's not, it's not, it's not meant, it, it really is a challenge for me as a believer to, to open my life fully and completely to the transformative working of the Holy Spirit in my life and not to be a person who's jumping from thing to thing. And um, here's, here's what came to me this morning, and I want to share this with you. You can do with it what you want, but it's something that as I, I, I wasn't even thinking in this direction. I really had no thought for it. And um, I was, it, the word came to me, those uh, of those things, those those in the world 
are not the biggest threats to the church. Spirits are not the greatest threat to the church today. Prosecutors, persecutors of the church are not the greatest threat to the church today. Legislators and judges are not the biggest threat to the church today. You know, when I, when I think about this uh, this morning, and it, it just went on, uh, you know, I thought, well, uh, spirits are always a threat to, to the work of God, but something just unpackaged itself and unpacked itself in my thinking this morning, and, uh, and I want to be able to share that with you here. You know, as we, we look at the biggest threat to the church today, the biggest threat is self. It's the flesh. Because none of these other things have any influence over the Spirit of God. But they certainly do wreak havoc when the flesh is the, the filter. When the flesh is our responder. And the flesh is the old nature. It's that, it's that part of us that we, we, we deem dead daily. We, we crucify it. We put it to death every day. Amen? That flesh, that old nature that was sat in the seat of authority in your life and mine. How many remember when the flesh ruled over the way you lived your life? The appetites of the flesh... The desires of the flesh, the, the impulses of the flesh, when they ruled over your life and my life, we were living a much different course. And you know, as I look at this, it is not those other things that we mentioned, it is really, it is self. Because none of those things can damage the church unless we're moving in the flesh, unless we're living in the flesh, unless we are not prayerful and not spirit-directed. None of those things have influence over the things that are, are most important in our lives, and those are the spiritual aspects of who we are. You know, this morning when I think about the flesh, and this isn't my message, but it'll, it's not a mini one either, but uh, the biggest threat to me is my, is my flesh. It's that self-nature. It's anything that exalts myself. It's anything that is driven by self. It's the part of me, uh, it's the part of my old nature that wants to reseat itself in the position of authority in my life. How many know God wants you to behave just like you did when your flesh was ruled? I mean, the devil wants you to, to behave yourself just like you did before Jesus was seated on the throne of your heart. He wants you to be impulsive. He wants you to, to, be provocate, to be easily provoked. He wants you to be reckless in your behavior and the way you speak and relate to people, the way you filter things, the way we respond. He wants us to respond the way we responded to things before Jesus was Savior and Lord. And so as we look at the threat today, we come into this house and God has equipped us with his word so that we could conquer the greatest threat in our lives and that's the flesh. How many know that oftentimes it's not our circumstances that are our biggest problem. It's not people who are our biggest problem. Hey, it's good to see the Gormans today. I can see you today, brother, with the right eye. I'm looking at you real good. How many are glad to see the Gormans here today? Amen. Amen. I did, boy, that was nice. Nice view out there. Good to see you. But I, I, I just want to say this morning, the flesh will never accomplish what God desires to accomplish in your life. It'll never get, get you or I where God wants us to go. Because the flesh is self-centered. It is self-exalting. It, it is always about me. It's driven about me and what I think and what I feel and what I want. You know, and I, I'm just going to go on here because I, I worded this out. The biggest threat to myself and to all believers is self. It disguises itself as a form of righteousness. It disguises itself in a form of righteousness, executing what it deems to be righteous judgment, righteous indignation, righteous contempt. And here's the thing. It demonizes others often. And it demonizes those 
within the faith. It devours others. Its, its appetite uh, for flesh is great because it is flesh-driven. The flesh is unteachable. It is sullen. It is a braggart. It is fruitless. It is incendiary. It is easily provoked. It seeks to define others and to define things by its own impulses. It is jealous. It lies. It injures. It likes to hear itself talk. It showcases itself. It is insatiable in its appetite for gratification. It moves in the realm of feeling without foundation, without humility, without love, and without repentance. It loves itself. It refuses the cross for itself. Its mouth is uncontrollable. It lies. It lies to itself and denies its own existence. It spreads like cancer through loveless, faithless, spiritually anemic, and scripturally ignorant religion. And here's the thing. This is why it's a, it's a threat if we allow it to be. And we're going to put that down every day, right? We put that, we stepped on that this morning, right? We came to church and said, self's not ruling this day. When I came to church today, self was brought under my foot, under the authority of God's word, right? This isn't about you. This isn't about me. This is about Christ. When he's exalted, we grow, we prosper, we enjoy the fruit. How many are still with me? Okay, here's why it's dangerous. Self is the breach in the wall. Self is the fire that destroys Self is the smoke that suffocates. Self seeks to usurp the authority of God and the glory that belongs to him. And you know, we're here to receive the word today from God. How many here are going to say, flesh, you have no part in this proposition? Come on, church. You want to receive from God. You know, the Bible says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him. How? In spirit and in truth. There's a spiritual dynamic here. There's a spiritual connection with God that we have, to be, we have to be connected with him today so that we can truly receive the things that are spirit and they are life. So now that I've shared that, you say, well, that was a sermon. But you know what? I, didn't, I, I, I sat at my desk and God downloaded into my heart today. He said, your greatest threat, church people need to know, the greatest threat is not what you see, not what you hear. It's not devils, it's not demons, because they can only do what the flesh accommodates. They can only enter in through the portal of the flesh. They can only give voice to the things that the flesh is willing to speak. So you know what? Our flesh is the one we need to put to death. Because I want everything God has for me today. I'm not satisfied with what my mind can get a hold of. I want it to transform every part. How many here know there's an inner person that God wants to deal with today? He's not so much concerned about all the other things as he is the inner man because the inner man needs to be renewed. So this morning we're, we're going to jump into this quickly here. I get to preach two more sermons this afternoon. I've shared this with you. I know I'm going, I, I am so honored to, I get to speak as a pastoral resource to two communities of people, uh, elderly and those who have uh, dementia. I got to tell you, the dementia unit has better church services than I'm sure a lot of places that are functioning outside that facility today. Because it has to be Holy Spirit driven there. You know, their, their, their memory and their, and their minds are not always clear. But let me say this to you. The Holy Spirit knows how to speak to someone. And they have ears to hear and they do hear. Believe me, they hear. I am astounded at some of the things that have been said to me by someone that I didn't even realize was conscious. 
So don't ever limit what you believe someone is receiving or what God is doing today. You know what I mean? Anything I do in that service, they're like, yes, go ahead, do it. You say, what do you mean by that? They're just ready to go. They, every week's a different, they, every week they, you, you, to some you reintroduce yourself. But they know who Jesus is. So here this morning as we've come, why do I need to speak the word of God? I'd given you a, 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 a slide last week because it provides a scriptural foundation. You're building your life upon the rock. You have scriptural authority. It's not what you say or I say what you think. The devil doesn't give two hoots for what you think and I think and what we say and what we do if it is not driven by the word. If it's not founded upon the word and it's not direct, it is not exalting Christ. You know, we, we speak the word for self-edification, to build ourselves up. Sometimes we're waiting for someone to come speak a word to us when God says, hey, I've already spoken of you. Amen? He says, open that up and read it. For the edification of others, we're to give the word to build others up. Uh, we are to defeat the lies of the enemy because, by speaking the truth to it. When the lies and the deceptions are being released into this world, we need to have believers who are able to speak out of scriptural understanding and with scriptural authority. How many believe that today? The Bible's not just what you do in your devotion time and what you do on Sunday mornings. It's the constitution of how you live your life. It's the substance of how you live this thing. It's the power of God. And so doesn't it make sense that we get more of that word into our lives? You know what would be really exciting? To see less commentary about everything else going on in the world in our social media and have believers start speaking God's word. Not with an agenda. Just being as led by God to build others up, to encourage others, to be light in dark places. But anyhow, this is the part you guys might struggle with when I do this. But how many are were still with me? Okay, six of you, thanks. Uh, to bring our being and behavior into alignment with its inspired, infallible, and inerrant nature. To declare the promises of God in our lives and in all spiritually engaged realms to take down strongholds. How many believe you speak words of God to the strongholds here? It's not by, it's not by might, not by power, but what? By my spirit, says the Lord. To strengthen our faith, to invite enlightenment into any situation, to glorify God, and to enjoin ourselves with the witness of the Holy Spirit. You know, Smith uh, Wigglesworth, whom you may have heard of a few times, was called the Apostle of Faith. He was a British evangelist who functioned, Pentecostal, spirit-filled evangelist who uh, influenced his world during the, uh, some, you know, between 18 and 19th century, or 19th and 20th. I always, you know, I know we're in the 21st, right? But the uh, power, he said, the power of God will take you out of your own plans and put you into the plan of God. You know, the word of God is God's plan for your life. It is the, it is the framework upon which the, the, your life is constructed and built. How many know that the Bible is the framework? It's the foundation for the life that you are living and what's being built in your daily exercise of interest and relationship. And he said that we speak the word of God as we address physical and emotional healing. He said we speak the word of God to reap financial blessings. And, you know, God does bless financially. I believe that. You see, this church needs your financial blessings to bless us. We're praying for huge tithers. I'm praying for millionaires. To come into the house. I, I, I pray for, for, for uh, uh, paupers to come in. I pray for millionaires to come in. I pray for the great and mighty in the eyes of men and the nobodies in the eyes of men because there's somebody in Jesus. I'm praying and believing for God to supply the needs of this house. 
I don't want a pastor finance. I don't want to be a pastor who has half of his attention on finance and half on the congregation. I want to be fully invested in you. So get your tithes in. Those buckets are in the back there, by the way. Every time you go out, because we need to be free from fear and guilt and shame. We need to speak that word so that we can be free from fear, guilt, and shame. We can speak spiritually empowered words in spiritual warfare. You know, here, here's, you know Smith Wigglesworth, is, you know, the only book he had ever read when he learned to read was the Bible. And he, his wife taught him to read by reading the Bible. And so, uh, you know, and so that word was central in his experiences. And this was a man who walked in power. He walked and God did the miraculous, right? Because the word was central in his life. And he spoke that word and he believed. He spoke the rhema word. He spoke the, the inspired written word of God. As we look at this today quickly, we talked about uh, how the Holy Spirit leads us into places where we must speak the word of God to speak into or to address situations. We talked about the places of death. We, Ezekiel had his vision. We're not going to spend time a lot here, but he had that vision in Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10, the valley of dry bones. The, 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 the floor littered with bones, dried, bleached bones. And you know, God asked him, hey, can these bones live? And his, Ezekiel's uh, response was, you know. And how many know that through the process, God commanded him to speak prophetically to the bones? And he wanted him to speak commanding life to come into the bones once they were enjoined together. There were thousands of bones that were knitted together. The sinews and muscles and flesh took hold of the bones and they came and it was lacking one thing. And God says, speak to the breath. And you know, the word of God brings life, right? How many know God brings order? He puts things together when you build your life on the word. You speak the word. You know the word. That word, he builds up. And then it is the breath of God that the word releases into our lives. And we are full of the Holy Spirit. How many spirit-filled people are here today? If someone is sitting beside you, is looking at you, and they say, mm, this guy, you know, one of the cute things at the facility where I share Sunday afternoons, this one fella, he, he slept through most of it. And he said, what a great word that was today. <laughs> he was kind, but he was lying. I'm just kidding. He might have been somehow receiving in his sleep. He's cute. Very cute. And I don't mean that condescending. He was cute. How many of you know some people are cute? Some people aren't. I mean, let's just admit it. I mean, not everybody's cute. And so when you call someone cute, unless you're patronizing them, it's not an insult. It was just cute when he was sleeping and he told me how great the sermon was. That's all. So I'm watching you too. I see people out there. And now I can see. I can see these folks better than these over here. So I have to kind of turn like that. But I can see you all over here. Anyhow, we speak it into dead places. The world needs for you to speak life. The world is dead. It's, it's dead. It's in darkness, you know? And you need to be speaking with authority the word of God in all of the places where the light trods in you, through you, into dark places. Let's not, let's not walk around whining and, oh, it's so bad. You know, that, that's, not, uh, that's not the conversation fitting for the, for the kingdom of God. That's like the ten spies who went in to spy out the land who came back and said, we can't do this. We look, they, 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 we, they were giants and, 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 and we look like, to them, like grasshoppers and, and we feel like we look like grasshoppers. And you know, they cost a whole generation because they infected them with a word that was treacherous and was a lie. And only two men 
Joshua and Caleb, in whom dwelt another spirit, said, we can do this. We need to have people who are Joshua and Caleb's. There's already too many people complaining. How many of you get sick of uh, complainers? How many of you get sick of yourself? The only time I complain is when I'm awake. No, I'm just kidding. That's my flesh always driving. And then there are those times of testing, Matthew 4, where Jesus goes into the wilderness for four days. And let's understand this. God does not tempt us. But sometimes he leads us to places where we will be tempted. We will be tested. The Spirit led Jesus out into the desert, and for 40 days he was there fasting and praying in, his prep, in, in preparation for what God was going to launch through him. It's good to see you today. And, uh, and some say that the word really is better testing than tempting, but as I look at that scripture, I see testing and tempting. You know, certainly the devil was soliciting Jesus, trying to tempt him. And the devil's going to tempt you. You don't have to say amen, just say I know. We're not saying so be it. We don't want him to do that, right? He's going to tempt you. If you're not tempted, you're living somewhere else. Because every man and woman of God, Satan has never finished soliciting you and tempting you. And your tests and trials in life, you're going to have them to the day you leave this world. But they don't determine how far you go with God. Come on, church. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. And the word tribulation means constricting pressure. And Jesus said, but be of good cheer. Because you're on your own, right? He says, because I have overcome them. Come on, church. Can you get a little jig in your juke? I don't know what that means. I mean, you know, I, I know there's some people in here. You, Oh, I'd like to go to church and have freedom. You know what? Don't say that if you don't embrace it. Oh, I just don't feel free. Wow. Lord, we ask for freedom here today. A liberty here today. So if God sparks your flame, Burn. Jesus responded three times, it is written. That's our defense. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man, but God is faithful. God is faithful. Come on, church. I used to ride by, when I lived in Waynesburg, went by Krispy Kreme every time I went to the hospital. And I got to tell you something. It had a strong demonic pull. <laughs> I'd go in there. I wouldn't go in. I'd ride through. I was too lazy to get out of the car. I couldn't get out of the car because I'd eaten so many donuts. And uh, I rode through and I wanted two of those chocolate covered with white icing in the middle. I don't want the pudding. I hate that stuff. Ugh. Get rid of that. I want angel cream, not, 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 uh, not devil pus. I want angel cream. I want two of those things. Give them to me. And I'd go, yeah. And I'd go in and visit people and you know, there was more of an anointing when I would go in to visit with him when I had those donuts. I'm just kidding. I don't know. It was something. Uh, I'm being facetious. The donuts will not bring any anointing. They will, they will harm you. But isn't it good to, to suffer well? And... God's Holy Spirit will bring us into places of ministry. And this is really what I want to look at today. Jesus in Luke 14, verse 27, or 17 to 30. Would somebody fall over? That was you? Luke 14, 17 through 20. 
It says, and he was handed the book of Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. You know, and as we read on, you know, Jesus didn't coincidentally land there. There was a prophetic anointing upon him as he spoke. And it's something that we need to say. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Come on, church. How many will, will, will claim that anointing that God wants to put on your life? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Come on, church. This is yours because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Come on. That's our calling. He has anointed us to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Come on, church. Is that your calling? Do you accept that calling? Then Jesus was speaking a word that was prophetically anointed for himself, for the church that would follow him. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Come on. How many people are you speaking the words of freedom to today? How many people are we telling them that there is freedom over bondage? You don't have to live this way. You can be free indeed. You know, I just thank you, Jesus, for freedom. How many here have ever been set free from anything? Amen. Freedom. You know, you want free. You know, sometimes you have a dog chained to the tree And the dog, you'll take the chain off. The dog won't move because he doesn't know he can. We're not, we're not staying chained to it. We're not, we don't have phantom chains. You know, God has conquered and broken up all those chains. And we need to speak that kind of thing into the lives of others. There's people who are addicted to so many things bound up. And we identify them under some kind of medical terminology. But I would believe that if Jesus were coming today on this earth and he were walking among us, he would curse those things and set people free from them, right? He wouldn't sit down and say, hmm, give me a medical explanation for this. I'm not saying we be stupid. I'm saying that we understand This is what the Bible says, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. There are so many people who are oppressed, who are under the weight of life. How many here can honestly say in your own life it gets heavy sometimes? That's why you need other believers to stay in tune with, that we can all together live this life. You need to be in church with other believers Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday with uh, Tom. And, you know, we could revitalize all of the ministries in our church if people would say, we're there. Amen? All right, I'm almost done. You say you didn't finish again. I'm working on it, please. I'm going to get there. To proclaim the acceptable Year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Listen to this. It says, and all the eyes of those who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Can you imagine Jesus reads the word and there was such an anointing and such a power over those words released into that group of people that when he went and sat down, they couldn't take their eyes off of him. And when there's an anointing, that is flowing into this church, our eyes will never refocus on anything other than Jesus. That's what this is about today. How many know that? This isn't about anything other than Jesus doing, being glorified, honored, and lifted up and exalted. And when he's lifted up, he draws everyone to himself. And so he closed that book. Jesus read the scriptures. He mesmerized those who were present. He spoke and released that word with regard to the ministry that he had been anointed to carry forth from, uh, from the uh, prophet's uh, uh, voice of old. He declared his divine appointment and what, what, what they were about. He declared what his divine calling and his appointment and his business was all about. You need to understand and know why you're here. And you need to tell the devil what you purpose to do because it's God's call on your life. You know, you say, well, I don't know if I can know what I'm here to do. 
hey, I don't know where I'm at half the time, but, if it went, but, but God allows me. I'm doing what I'm doing today because I know this is what God put me to do. I'm going to be doing later today what I'm doing because I know that's what God put in front of me to do. You know, when I'm not in an organized church service, I know that God has put a purpose in my life to be what Jesus declared himself to be. One life to live, right, will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. As we close here in just a moment, you say, I know his moments. God, help us. A moment is as a thousand years with him. I hear you, Jim. God wants to speak this word today. Because it's powerful. He wants to speak it into places of conflict. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Our primary weapon in spiritual warfare is the word of God. God, saturate our minds, our hearts, and help us, Lord, to speak it with our mouths. The spoken word of the living God is our... Would you say this? I'm going to finish if you cooperate. It is 11.03, by the way. I see a body. Oh, I do see a body. The spoken word of the living God is our position, our power, and our purpose. Would you say that with me? The spoken word of the living God is our position, our power, and our purpose. Here's what the scriptures tell us in Romans 4. It says, um, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him he believed. It says, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they were. You know, that word spoken is your faith. It's the substance of your faith. Our words are to be aligned with scriptural truth. We're to speak that word. And God speaks that word into places to bring deliverance. I'm going to ask you if you'd stand with me. In Exodus 14, verse 13, Moses said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. And the Lord said to Moses, tell the children of Israel to go forward. We need to speak the word of God that, it, that, it, that moves people forward, that moves people forward into freedom and out of bondage, into freedom and out of bondage, moves us out of Egypt and into the, toward the promises of God. Come on, church. we got to speak the word that helps one another in the church and out of the church to see that there's a destination in front of us that has been set there by God. And it's not his purpose for us to remain in Egypt. We are not to be imprisoned to our past. And God wants to release a word in places of profession. I'm going to ask everybody if you could and then we're just going to we're going to in a moment we're going to we're going we're gonna to sing some, something to the Lord. But I'm going to ask, would you mind doing this? We haven't done this in a while. And if, it, 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 and if you'd rather not, I, I, I respect that. I respect that. I respect you. I will think nothing less. But I'm going to invite you, if, you, if everybody would just, as much as we can, you can come right up to the top step if you like. Can we just come up here a minute? I got something that I believe God wants me to, to do today that won't take a lot of your time. It won't take a lot of your time, but it will give you, it will multiply the time the fruit of the time that you have moving out of here. It will make your time more fruitful, more productive. Just step up to the top steps so anybody that would like to come, you know, um, would come. I, I want to invite you. Let's break out. Let's break out here today. Let's just say, you know, God, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, when people come up front to get married, they stand up front. 
They want everybody to know that this is their day. They're making a commitment to do something, to let God do something. And that's why I'm inviting you because I think, you know, sometimes... uh, This morning, as you, you, you have come into the house of God, this is a time for profession. It's a time for profession. And Lord, I pray covering and peace upon all those in this house today. I pray that no one will be afraid, no one will be fearful. Lord, that you will dispatch every fear Lord, that is in this house. I, I believe, Lord, that there are those who, whose lives have, have just been just coated with anxiety, rusted over uh, by a lack of liberty and freedom, corroded to the point where there's no motion, no movement, Lord God, because of fear. I pray, Lord, for whoever this applies to if it be one or many or all of us, Lord God, that we would just receive that that the Spirit of God is not a spirit of fear. Hallelujah. It's a spirit of boldness and power. It's a spirit of love and peace and joy and freedom. Come on now, there's somebody that really you need to grab this because it's like a lifeline that God's throwing out to you today. And it's up to you to take it. You know, God throws the lifeline, but if you don't take it, it, it you know, you're going to leave this place and, and, and God will be rebuffed because we've said, I, you know, I'm okay where I'm at. You know, a drowning man thinks he's okay until he realizes he's going to drown. This morning, we make some professions about who we are. What is my identity? You know, a lot of people say, oh, we're always talking about identity. But if you have an identity crisis, it's because you are misinformed or you're uninformed or you're ill-informed. Because the moment you're born again, you are not a product of the world any longer. You haven't been redeemed by anything this world has offered. Anything that this world has ever given, you have not been saved by not one thing that this world has ever produced. You've been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb of God. You are a child of God. And that's the most powerful thing uh, that you can carry forth because it changes the way you see yourself. It changes the way you see God. He becomes more. You're a child of God. Some have carried around this here, this here oppressive lie that the world has just been swallowed up in. That we're, we're living some kind of subsistence life. That we are, we're just making it through. But we're kind of fearful and we're maybe much fearful because we're not certain where this is going. You know, God knows where it, 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 where it all goes. Holy Spirit, baptize every child of God with your Holy Spirit to overflow, to overflow as, Lord, recorded in your word, Lord, to be filled, to overflow, Lord, uh, uncontainable, wash out all of the lies, all of the misconceptions about who I am, why I'm here. You know, I got to tell you, we label people. I understand the programs and the things that are, you know, I understand some of that. But as a child of God, understand this. The devil wants you to walk around saying, I'm an addict. Sometimes in life, we have to come to terms with the fact that we have a disposition that tends to gravitate towards certain things. But, you know, as a pastor... I'm never going to tell you you're, 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 you're addicted. If you've been delivered and set free, I am never going to tell you that you're addicted. You're an addict to porno. Because that's what you were. 
And God has set you free. Some of you are being insulted on a daily basis by the people closest to you who tear you down, who don't speak anything uh, affirming of you and how and who you are. Some of you don't have Christians in your home. You don't have believers in your home. You don't have anyone who builds you up in your faith. You, what We are to build one another up. We are to edify one another. And you have nobody to speak into your life. Well, today I want you to hear this. God is going to deliver this in heavenly fashion. You are a child of God. Your father loves you. He cares for you. He's not lost sight of you. He knows every breath you take. He gives you every heartbeat that your body will ever have. And he delights in who you have become in Christ. He delights in you. You are a child of the living God. You are a masterpiece. You are his workmanship. That's what we are told in his word. We are his workmanship. God will perform that which he has set out to do. His word will accomplish in your life what God purposed for it to accomplish. In Luke chapter 15, there was a a, a young man who, as we know, the prodigal. We're not going to go into all of that, but here's the thing. When he came back and his father, he was reconciled. He was brought into that embrace with his father. The father said, for this is my son. This my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Can we give the Lord just a, just our praise that we are not lost, that we are found, that we're not dead, we are alive. You might feel dead today, but I'm telling you, you're not dead. You're not dead. I know there's some who have, who have struggled to walk with Jesus and you've, you've picked up all the other weights that you thought you had to carry in order to live this life for Christ. And I want to tell you, drop them now. Drop it now. You don't have to carry that baggage. Jesus Christ has set you free. The Lord loves you. Read 1 Corinthians 6. It says this is what you were. But you've been justified, sanctified. Hallelujah. How many will say I've been justified through the blood of Christ? I'm a child of God, born again because of the shed blood of God, the shed blood of Christ. I am a child of God because the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in my heart. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Revival is close, church, but it's only as close as you want it to be. Father, we thank you. I am a child of God. I know I have been brought into the household of faith. The Spirit itself bears witness with my spirit that I've become a child of God. What is my purpose? The most concise statement, I quote it often because, you know, it's, Robin, you know that's what I'd like to have on our tombstone. I don't want to take up all the space, but uh, you can put it for both of us. For, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And to die is gain. Met with someone this week that is, uh, is, is, uh, is, is in the latter stages, moving toward the latter stages of a life. And God gave this scripture, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. My life is centered in Jesus. Whatever Jesus wants, that's what I am called to do. Whatever God sets before me, whatever God confirms through his word and through prayer, whatever opportunity he sets before me to share his love with another person, and whatever context that might be, in whatever place that might be, however often that might be, when God opens the door for you, you are, you are, your purpose is to go through that door. Go through that door. Don't wait and try to convince yourself that it's the appropriate thing to do. But you in prayer and through the counsel of God and the word, you walk through that door and say, God, I will serve. I, you say, I don't know what I'm doing. Guess what? 90% of the time, I don't know what I'm doing. But it's the 100% 
of the time that I put my life completely into the leading of the Holy Spirit that he works his will anyhow. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Here's the scripture. Please hold. If I didn't think this was important, we wouldn't be doing it. I promise you. Because in fact, if I don't sweat right now, then I don't have to go home and change my clothes. (laughs) But I'm going to give everything I got right here because I believe God wants you to know this this morning. Jesus said when people were clamoring for him, pulling on him, wanting him to go in every direction, Jesus says, time to move on. It's time to move on. And then he says, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. John the Baptist said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the path of the Lord. These are people who knew. And you can know. God's a communicator. God's a communicator. He's not a hide and seek. Paul said, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. You know that when, when, when Paul got, Saul got saved, he got a, had his life transformed. There were those who didn't trust that he was authentic. They didn't think that he was real. They kept a distance from him because they thought he was, he, he was angling to bring prosecution toward the church. And he says, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. What, are, what is his promise to you? Well, everything the word declares to you, he is his promise to you. Every word that he releases into your life through the Holy Spirit is his promise to you. It says for all, in 2 Corinthians, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. What are his principles? Proverbs 35, every word of God is pure. What are his provisions? Philippians 4, 4, uh, Philippians 4 says, And my God shall supply all your needs. Maybe you need to say that this morning. Maybe you've been saying, I don't know where it's coming from. But, you know, maybe you don't know where it's coming from. But God, God, God's got it. God's got it. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Come on, church. I'm going to say that again. I want you to join with me because, you know, we need to speak this word like we really, truly believe. And my God, come on now, shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now that is a so be it word. Come on, church. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.